Morning. Welcome. Thanks for reading those scriptures. It was great. Thank you. And uh, children's services, great. Thank you for all the hard work you do. Just as an aside, some of the things that we do is uh, I work alongside somebody who is a chairman person of a, an organization called Christians in Politics, which works at grassroots levels with counselors around the country and up and down the country. And, and so to see hands-on and hear people who are doing the things at a local level is really encouraging. So well done, guys. Really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, it's lovely to see that. And then we also support an organization at Westminster called Christians in Parliament, that uh, again, it's cross-party, it's and it's creating space for prayer and Bible study and interaction and and just really a support system. So it's something very near to our hearts. So I love it. And Rock Church, I mean, again, I'm just so 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 impressed by what you guys have done. Congratulations! Give yourselves a clap. Come on. I mean, I mean, if nobody else knows that you've done a good thing, we certainly do. So that's great. Uh, my name's Oliver. I. Um, I'm married to this very young lady called Bridget. Uh, I don't know how uh, she can look so good after 45 years and I look as old as I do, but that's just the way of life, isn't it? Uh, had an interesting week, really. Uh, we um, had the privilege, although sad privilege, to bury a friend of mine who, back in 1980, owned a studio down in Hereford and worked with various very famous musicians and various people that we uh, at that time were engaged with in the music industry. And uh, the reason why it was challenging is because in June we had an unexpected phone call to say Marion has died, which was his wife. And Marion was ill, uh, sorry, was not ill, and she had been tending and caring for her husband and literally got up that morning, did what she needed to do, and when they looked and where she was, she was sitting in a seat and she had just passed away. And uh, so we went to a funeral, which we really weren't expecting. And then to discover that Rob had been ill for a long time uh, with all sorts of issues in terms of um, uh, his failing mental health and various other areas of disability. And she'd covered and tried to help and struggled. Um, and so suddenly on that funeral day in June, their son and daughter came and said to us, we've lost both our mom and our dad today because dad had to be helped in a way that he couldn't help himself. And mom, of course, had died. And then two weeks ago, Rob unexpectedly again died. And uh, so suddenly mom and dad had gone and there was a son and daughter in four months saying goodbye to mom and dad. And uh, they were dear friends of ours. So the reason I'm saying that is because we live in uncertain times. Um, <laughs> we have an eldest daughter who some of you know, Donna, <clears throat> who comes with Daniel, and they uh, are very close to us. And the other day, Donna said to Bridget and myself, and this was really, uh, this was left afield, said, we need to sit down sometime. Okay. What do you want to sit down about? I said, well, we need to discuss funeral arrangements. <laughs> Whose? <laughs> Yours. Not up for that. Not at all. Um, but, you know, it's uncertain times. I can remember Christmas last year as if, it was, as if it was yesterday. In fact, some people I know are still paying off last year's Christmas. And they were, you know. So how do we cope with this thing called life? John, the writer of the fourth gospel, said some amazing things. And I better get my, oh, there are, yeah, my glasses. You can tell that, that I need to wear glasses because I can't find the glasses when I need to wear them. John says these things, and I want to talk to us about Emmanuel today, 
and really what that means, because it means a lot more than I think we give it credit for. But John in John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. By the way, it's not the John who's writing here. That's John the Baptist, as I'm sure many of you know. But his name was John. He came to witness, to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Now listen to these next few words particularly. The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This is the one of whom I said he comes after me, and he has surpassed me because he is before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. An amazing and absolutely staggering statement, really, uh, by John as he begins to talk about Jesus in what we call the Incarnation. The word becoming flesh. Now, I don't know about you, but I've begun to think quite a lot about the personhood of Jesus in today's world. Because I have a suspicion, and bear with me if I perhaps are saying things that you've already worked through for yourself. But after being involved in Christian work for a feral time, I suddenly discovered that my, my understanding of Jesus is very often limited to a birth narrative yes not i'm not your mother you can agree with me or disagree okay a birth narrative and then what we call his ministry period which begins with him becoming visible to the world of his day beginning to heal people do things speak do amazing miracles encounter people transform lives leading to his death his resurrection and his ascension and so there is this birth narrative and there is this end narrative and then there's this bubble in the middle and we seem to have a world full of bubbles so I thought I'd like to look into the bubble you don't want to say yet you don't know if it's going to be good yet but anyway you see because Jesus was born and actually lived a life and we think in obscurity for a period of time. And actually, I think we often assume that because he lived in the space, 
that space is almost irrelevant. But John, in his writing to John chapter 1, says, yeah, we've seen his glory. Now, I want to say to you, yes, of course, of course, we saw the glory of Jesus when in his public ministry he began to do miracles. I mean, he began to speak words like nobody ever had spoken before. And he began to do things that actually baffled and astounded and antagonized and made him to be public enemy number one to some and yet the Savior to many others. But between his birth and his ministry, there was a person. And his name was Jesus of Nazareth. And I want to introduce you to Jesus of Nazareth who lived between the age of 12 when we last have sight of him because he goes to the temple with his parents, if you remember the story. And actually at the temple, his dad and mom say, let's go up to the temple. It's the thing to do. And they get there and, and then Jesus disappears and he gets lost. And for three days they look for him and they get kind of really concerned and they call child services in and nobody can find him. I love it when you get props in a sermon. You see, that's great. And local councillors were calling each other saying, you know, we need to get this right because there's a child missing in Jerusalem. And for three days, there's a buzz around the city. Nobody can find him. And then eventually Jesus is found speaking to the leaders, the teachers, those in the, in the temple. And, the, and he says, why are you so surprised? I was just doing what my father sent me to do. Now, listen, I'm a parent of three daughters, eight grandchildren, and three sons-in-law in that order. That's all right. I have a mother-in-law as well. well. I had a mother-in-law as well, so I understand these things. I'm not sure how I would have navigated that situation with my 12-year-old son getting lost in a city as well. And I'm not sure how that actually would play out in today's world. But I know in Jesus' day, it created consternation for his parents. And yet, between that 12-year-old and the 30-year-old or thereabouts that we actually understand becoming public in ministry lived a man and there were witnesses to that man that actually if we were in a court of law I'd like to call to witness I'm not going to do it this morning I'm not going to try to be dramatic I don't work for the RSC or something else like that but but they bear witness to his life and the first witness to the life of Jesus has to be no other person than John the Baptist of whom John the writer of the epistle writes because he says, there was a man who preceded him who was not the light, but he was bearing witness to the light because he, John the Baptist, saw something in this person that he thought, this is not typical. In fact, of John we read in the Bible, and I'm sure you know this, but when John was six months in his mother's womb, his mother, who was the cousin of Mary, left their mountainous little village where they were living in Judea and actually came, oh sorry, came to Nazareth and actually met with Mary and, and actually in the moment of encounter, that which was in the womb of Elizabeth leapt within her. Now, there are those who say Jesus was not yet, or Mary had yet not conceived uh, the baby and others who say she did. I'm not going to get into the argument about, you know, gestation periods and all that sort of stuff. We don't know. But what we do know is significantly in John's experience, something even before he was born captivated him. And in fact, the Bible goes on to say that John at that point in time had an encounter with a supernatural God in the womb. Now, listen, 
this blows my mind. I must be honest with you. Some things I kind of think, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I'm a rational, clear thinking, at times hopefully scientific person saying, well, I don't want to lose my sense of thought for the sense of some kind of religious uh, convention. But something happened. And so from the earliest days of John the Baptist's life, even when he was born and as he began to be raised, I can imagine his mother saying to him, you know something? Something happened even when you were six months in my womb. And so Jesus was marked in John's mind even from the earliest days of his life. And so as a man, if anything, was going to watch Jesus closely. Listen, I grew up once. Most of us do. Okay, And when somebody is told to be special, you look for reasons why they're not. Come on, you British, you know what I'm talking about. If somebody, oh, this, this, this guy, he's got it all together. Well, there must be a chink in his armor. And I could imagine full well those who began to uh, have encounters with John the Baptist and others like this with an early understanding that this was something supernatural, something different happening. If this is too good to be true, it's going to be a big hoax. Got to watch the space. See, because between the age of 12 and 30, Jesus went through puberty. Now, we don't like to think that, but he did. Between the age of 12 and 30, he began to learn to be a carpenter. Now, forgive me, but I'm going to say something that some of you are going to find maybe challenging. But you know what? Though he made heaven and earth in his pre-incarnate state, when he was born upon the earth, he didn't arrive in Joseph's carpentry shop with a PhD in table making. Stand aside, Dad. I know how to do this. You know, I made heaven and earth. You, you know, not at all. Jesus had to learn submission to a father who was a skilled carpenter to begin to learn to do things that in his humanity, we all have to learn. You see, Jesus actually learned how to cope with frustration with his parents. I'm not looking at anybody right now. <laughs> Jesus had to learn how to navigate temptation as a teenager with his peers. Jesus had to learn how to speak honestly about things that mattered to him and yet without losing the center of what he was to a world that was so consumed by hate, abuse, difficulty. Jesus had to navigate a world in which he saw things happening which would have stirred up any thinking person to say, I'm going to do something about that. Because those Romans have gone one step too far this time. Or those religious bigots have actually made a judgment which is just too crass this time. And yet I want to say to you this morning, Emmanuel, which is the name the angels gave to Joseph when Joseph himself was questioning, has Mary done something? 
just just honor and disgrace herself. And she got pregnant that I didn't know about it. And now she wants to marry me as a cover-up. I'm just going to put her aside quietly so that nobody knows of her disgrace. And an angel came and spoke to him by a dream and said, no, don't do that, Joseph, because that which is in her is born of the Holy Spirit. And that which will come from her will be called Emmanuel. His name will be Jesus, but he's going to walk with mankind not just as man amongst men, but God walking amongst us. Emmanuel, God with us. Theologically, there's a phrase that calls God omnipresent, okay, which means God is everywhere all the time. That's always been the case. That was the case in the Old Testament. That's the case now. Emmanuel and God with us is very different from omnipresent it's God very present God personally present let me say to you at Christmas time and I'm not going to have a chance to preach a Christmas message to you so I'm going to say it right now Christmas is God very present with you in today's world we live in a world where bubbles have become the the order of the day in fact I wasn't sure this morning whether I've got a mask in my pocket I walked in with a mask on in case people are afraid of because i understand that we want to respect that but let me say to you jesus didn't come and live in a bubble he came and lived amongst us not out of some kind of avant-garde kind of i don't care less you know i'm here take me or leave it and so on but he came to live amongst us he actually bled he felt he cried he sweat he sweated sweated yeah sweated he learned. He failed. Oh, Jesus never failed. Yeah, he did. I'm sure when Jesus made a tongue and groove joint for the first time in the carpenter shop, his father said, mm, I'm not sure you got that quite right. Let me show you again. And maybe Joseph even said, I've told you two or three times already. Watch me. And Philippians chapter 1 goes on and says, you know, have the same attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though being God was found in the form of a man and then emptied himself and humbled himself and became obedient. In fact, he became so obedient, it actually led to his death. Emmanuel. Bridget and I walk, as I've told you many times before, we, we try and get into this kind of habit of walking every night of our lives we live in a little village just outside of stratford upon avon a little place called temple grafton and so we have the 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 privilege of wandering around the beautiful parts of warwickshire that for some, for some might just be a place they occasionally visit it's where we live and so we went wandering out of the village uh, again the last couple of days and on one of these discussions i said to have you ever thought of it that jesus god himself actually the son of god in person walked amongst us so we could see him and know him and in knowing him we could walk with him see he didn't just come to walk with us he came to walk with us so that we could walk with him and so the word became flesh and made his dwelling in Nazareth whisked off to Egypt for a few months, maybe a year or so. Herod dies and then comes back and goes into this moment of security. 12 years of age, goes to Jerusalem just for this uh, celebration, for this time of, the, of a festival. 
and then comes back afterwards and then begins to navigate life. And then the scripture on a later occasion says, and understand this about Jesus. And I've never seen this before in such a clear way as it begins to make sense to me in my own thoughts these days, that he was subject to every temptation. Not 30 years and older. Now I understand when Jesus was baptized and he was then sent by, driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That was a very different encounter. That had to do with eternal purpose. Most of us, aren't get, we're never going to face that challenge, guys. Thankfully. Well, if you're the son of God, Oliver, bow down. Uh, Satan doesn't have to worry about me on that score. But he's got other things between 12 and 30 where I live, if you understand what I'm saying. He understands that. He understands the kind of empty feeling when actually life isn't working out the way I think it should. He understands a sense of frustration when I'm not as good as I thought. He understands a sense of anger and the sense of disappointment when those who I trust become untrustworthy. He understands that because he actually lived amongst us. And you know something? It's going to shock you, but I'm going to say it again. It didn't only change us, it changed him. So, oh no, that's, that's against the scripture. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, in his eternity, he absolutely is. But you know something? When he became incarnate, he became flesh. And when he became flesh and lived amongst us, he died the death of a man on a cross. In fact, next to thieves on a cross. When he rose from the grave, he didn't rise again in his pre-incarnate state. He rose as the son of God, son of man. And today, Jesus who was in the beginning with the father as the word is with the father now as the eternal son. It changed him because he came to change us. So, we had read to us this morning, John 3.16. See, I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't realize I've got two preachers here today. I thought, just give him the mic. For God so loved the world. And we say it so easily, don't we? So, it's a, that's the glib thing. That's what Christians say when they don't have anything else to say. Well, that's, but God so loved the world. Listen, that he gave his son to live between the birth and death, the dash that appears on the tombstone to identify with us. That he is able to touch and help every single one of us wherever we are today. And John bore witness to that. And I'm almost done because what staggers me about this is towards the end of John's ministry and the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John finds himself at the Jordan, he's baptizing people and he's saying, somebody's coming, somebody's coming. We better get ready, prepare the way of the Lord according to what Isaiah had said and according to what God had actually predicted John would be. And by the way, that happened hundreds of, in fact, a century or so before, centuries actually before. And John the Baptist is declaring the coming of Jesus and suddenly he looks up and he sees his mum's cousin's son. 
And I want to make him as personal as that because we somehow get this notion that there was this stranger in a crowd. And yeah, that would be great. John had this revelation about a person he'd never seen before. That's really unlikely. John had this knowledge about a person he'd watched grow up, navigate life in a way that he'd never thought was possible. Spoke of a father who he never thought was knowable. Looked at a world he didn't think was understandable. And he saw in the crowd a man walking towards him of whom he would later say, and he must increase as I now begin to recede and decrease because actually I've done my job. And he points to that man in the crowd and he says to you, through the centuries of time between and to the crowd of that day, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, as a good Jew, as a good Jew, the one thing you wouldn't do is identify a lamb not fit for sacrifice because you wouldn't bring that to God, would you? What was the instruction? Bring a lamb for sacrifice that is without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, perfect. Because to get forgiveness of sin required a spotless lamb. And here is the son of the cousin of his mother. Of a family that said from before he was even born at six months of age, something is happening here that's different. Watch this space. Watch this gap. Watch what happens between now and then. And see if this one is not who he claims to be. Because if he is without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Emmanuel. God has walked amongst us. Now, he's not the only one who said that. There was a centurion in Matthew chapter 8 who comes up and says, Hey, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but I know this, you're different. Speak the word and my servant will be healed. There's a centurion again. Whether it's the same one or not, we don't know, but in my kind of Hollywood thinking, I like to think it's the same one because it just makes a good story, but we don't know, so forgive me. But standing at the foot of a cross, looking up and saying, others watched him grow up, I've watched him live, and now I've watched him die. This man was the son of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen, his glory. Christmas is not about the lights in the tree. It's about the light that came into the world to transform us. That's why we do what we do. That's why actually, to be quite honest with you, being able to be generous is not just something which we do out of sentiment, but out of gratitude for the fact that God so loved that we can love too. Now, here's my question to you, and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. If God came to walk with us, and you believe that because you're actually about to celebrate Christmas. So you'd be kind of daft if you don't, unless you actually don't believe the entire narrative, which is possible. But if God came to walk with us, what stops you from believing in him to walk with him?
What stops you? Is it because you think he doesn't understand where you're at? Do you think he's never actually lived in the world in which you're living? There's a poem written called One Solitary Life. You want to check it out? You can check it out online. You pick it up. It talks about who Jesus was and talks about the obscurity of his birth and where he lived and living as a peasant and under Roman rule. It's, great. it's a great piece of poetry. You think he doesn't understand the things you're going through? You're a teenager you think, well, God doesn't understand having to deal with parents like I've got to deal with parents. What news for you? Jesus grew up in a home. We had brothers. He had parents. He lived in a village. Trust you, you live in a village. Everybody knows what you're doing. You're not going to get away with anything. We had drinks with village, people in the village just two nights ago. And man, I couldn't believe it. We could talk for three hours about what other people are doing. It was just amazing. Why are we, talk, are we talking about these things? Because actually everybody knows what you're doing. You live in a village. Jesus grew up in a village. Everybody knew him. And then he would walk amongst people and they said, never a man spoke like him. Never a man lived like him. Never a man did what he does. Surely he's worth living for. And the one who identified him as the son of God eventually said, and when he, decre- when he increases, I found somebody not just to live with and for, but actually is worth dying to tell the world about. Jesus Christ. So if you say you believe the story of Christmas, what stops you from walking with him? Because he wants to walk with you. And you walk with him, well, even Alexa knows that. I checked this morning. Alexa, what do I have to do to become a Christian? And Alexa told me exactly what I needed to do to become a Christian. So I asked Alexa, I said, Alexa, are you a Christian? She said, people have all sorts of different opinions about faith and religion. I said, oh, Alexa, you failed me again. You failed me again. I mean, you're just playing games with me. But you go home and ask Alexa, Alexa, what must I do to become a Christian? And Alexa will tell you everything that you need to do. So people can't say, I don't know anymore. You can just ask Alexa. But my question is, have you ever done it? What I need to do, I recognize who you are. I accept your life was not just as an example, unattainable for me, but actually making it possible for me to know that you've walked with us, that we can actually walk with you. And where I failed you, I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to cleanse me, to make me your child, that I might know you. And if you've never begun to walk with the Jesus who came as Emmanuel, hey, listen, why don't you give yourself the greatest moment in life by stopping at Christmas and saying, if you came for me, then I've come come to the place where I want to know you. And if you want to do that, it would give me greatest joy in the world to actually say, God can now receive you right now but don't just take my word for it don't just believe it because i say so go read the book read the testimony there's a guy called josephus not a christian not a writer in the bible but a a historian who writes about john the baptist and and jesus himself and actually begins to describe it and actually and the unmistakable truth is check out his life he was different talk to john he'll say he's the lamb of god and he's here for you let's pray together shall we